This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money, Series XM, Channel 132, Business Radio is powered by the Wharton School. And I'm Kent Smithers, Professor here, Wharton in Philadelphia. We're still taping these segments by Zoom, and so it's safe to return to the studio. But in the meantime, you can go to my website, kentonmoney.com. And so it's that time of year that we all get stressed about what type of health coverage we should choose. And open enrollment season is right around the corner. Maybe you're in the middle of it, and you may be confused um, about all the options. And one of those newer options in the past decade, or really two decades, um, if, as such President Bush was the creation of the health savings accounts that was created along with the Medicare Part D prescription drugs as part of that political compromise between Republicans and Democrats at the time. And the health savings accounts have tremendous tax advantages to it, but they also have a lot of potential for companies to save a lot of money because they kind of align incentives as well. So Todd Berkeley is a vice president and manager of Benefit Wall- Wallet, and he's going to be joining me today to talk through health savings accounts. Welcome to the show, Todd. Great. Thanks, Kent. I'm happy to have you. I'm th- glad you had me on. Great. And so you certainly a lot of Americans, they know, hey, you know, we should be saving for retirement. That doesn't mean they will all do that. But right. certainly that's a constant messaging. Whereas healthcare, we know from survey after survey, people greatly underestimate their healthcare expenses and retirement fidelity benefits as a survey. And they find that people are just constantly miss it, you know, underestimate um, those healthcare expenses. Cause we all think, hey, Medicare is gonna take care of us. And we don't understand there's a lot of co-pays and, and so forth. And, you know, uh, as well as, you know, costs of gap plans and, and, and so forth. Um, and so you've you know, said, you know, hey, obviously these two things are very linked. And so, you know, explain that. Sure. Yeah. So obviously, um, you know, most people on employer plans, especially larger employers, will go through an annual open enrollment period where they have the ability to primarily select their health plan for the next calendar year. Uh, But then it also opens up options around, uh, you know, 401k, dependent care accounts, uh, life insurance, a whole bunch of options out there. Um, but most people dread that open enrollment experience because it's complicated, right? And they, yeah. they view it as a difficult decision as to what my next year's health plan should be. And interestingly enough, healthcare is one year at a time, right? So they make yeah. you make a choice every year. Uh, but I think many people are missing the opportunity to kind of reset their financial future with their employer's help by thinking about this from a longer term perspective in terms of the long term savings, in terms of what kind of health plan might allow them to save in an HSA and supplement the other savings they might be doing in a 401k or IRA. Yeah, and there's certainly this inertia effect. There's so many issues here. One is complexity, but also it's, you know, we know as economists now, 
having too many choices overwhelms people. People are theory making the wrong decisions. We know when people walk into the store, they have too many options of water, different types of water. They actually find that frustrating versus having yeah, just exactly. three or four. Um, but let's think about health savings accounts in particular. Um, it, it, it's one of those things that a lot of people don't realize how they work. There's this myth that it's only for the really healthy young people. Um, it's not really for everybody else. So you talk a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. So we have uh, we have um, uh, account holders across the age spectrum. So first of all, in order to contribute to a health savings account, which, as you mentioned, is the best tax break in the code. If you are yeah. saving for healthcare retirement expenses any other way, you're not maximizing your savings. But you have to have a certain kind of HSA qualified plan. So it has to have a certain minimum deductible. It can't cover other things. So like sometimes a drug plan or if you're on Medicare or Medicaid, that will disqualify you from contributing. So you that's where the open enrollment experience is. If you want to contribute to an HSA, you've got to pick an HSA qualified plan. Right. And um, I'd say the oh, well, that's called yeah. a high deductible plan that it gets paired with. Yeah, yep. high, the, the IRS calls it a high deductible plan. It's a horrible marketing term. I agree. I agree because it scares off people. People think, oh man, I'm going to face this massive deductible, not keeping the mind. In many yeah. cases, the employer finds these things so efficient that they actually contribute toward that deductible. In fact, I, I remember uh, years ago we did, we did this at Penn. Penn has very generous healthcare benefits, like many large yeah. employers. And it actually turned out almost any health scenario that you went through, that you could go through, you were better off as an employee under the HSA plan. Um, and because a lot of people don't realize is that you know it's also paired with insurance still. It's not like you're just pre-funding. Yeah. And when your money runs out in your, your account, well, you just don't have insurance. It's just the opposite. Oh. It's, it's, it's yeah. paired with this catastrophic layer that's actually very generous. You're, you're, you're right. In most cases, people would be better off with this HSA qualified high deductible plan and an HSA because they're making the wrong trade off between the deductible. And when I yeah. say deductible, I mean the amount of money I have to pay before my insurance kicks in and the premium, the payment that I'm going to pay 100% of the time, I'm going to pay that higher premium. Right. Yeah. So for most people, I did some recent work on the uh, looking at the average costs on uh, Kaiser Family Foundation uh, mm. healthcare. It's about a two thousand dollar better difference for the average American, when especially when you incorporate in that you may have a higher deductible that you probably won't use. Yeah. But your employer, on average, will give you like a thousand dollars of free money for a family plan yeah. toward yeah. that deductible, right? Yeah. And so it's that trade-off between premium and deductible is where you should really spend a little time before you go into open enrollment to think rethink that because if you can get yourself into an HSA, it is a very very powerful tool not only yeah. for spending today but for saving for future costs. And let's talk briefly about that because we've mentioned this on the show, this triple tax benefit you put in particular, it's even more generous than say a Roth or a traditional retirement plan. Uh, briefly, you know, review that. Sure, yeah, so in an HSA, uh, the money that you contribute uh, goes in tax-free. So yeah. as I said, many employers will put money into your account that becomes your money. It's just like a paycheck. They get put it into your HSA. You now decide when to spend that money. 
Um, it grows tax-free. So either interest on a bank type account, or you can put it in mutual funds with most programs. Like the Benefit Wallet program has 30 different mutual funds, you know, Vanguard and T. Rowe Price and, you know, high quality mutual funds that you can put your money into to have it grow tax-free. And then when you take it out, it comes out completely tax-free as well. For healthcare expenses. Uh, for as long as you use it for qualified healthcare expenses. Right, right. And most people are going to have a lot of oh, qualified yeah. healthcare expenses. <laughs> That's in right. Retirement. Yeah. That's right. You know, sometimes people get worried, well, if I need the money for non-health stuff, no, you're going to need the money for healthcare stuff. Yeah. That's what people greatly are misestimating. Uh, and, and let's face it, the fiscal finances of the country are not on a great path right now. And so it's, who knows what's keeping in the half of the Medicare right. going forward, as well as Medicaid in terms of long-term care and some of the other things that are, you know, long-term care is different, but nonetheless, there's a lot of expenses around around uh, that. Um, so you, you mentioned that the 401k to HSA contributions, and you know, um, often that open enrollment experiences happen at the same time. Right. Talk about, you know, uh, how they're related. In particular, suppose I go with the HSA, you know, high deductible uh, mm -hmm. a plan, and, you know, I'm putting money in pre-tax, it's growing no tax. It comes mm -hmm. out. It provides use for medical mm -hmm. uh, medical expenses of the oil well, tax. You, you might just say this sounds crazy, generous. Well, it's the grand compromise. President Bush wanted drugs uh, Part D, and the Republicans right. were like, Ugh, "You have to give us something for this." Um, and so it is, you know, incredibly tax efficient in that sense. Um, but would that, if I somebody elects HSA with a high deductible plan? Would that change maybe how they should optimize their 401k, whether it's a Roth, traditional, or anything there? Yeah, it, it, it would. Obviously, you want to save as much as you can in all of these tax-deferred uh, sure. vehicles, but the HSA is the best one. So if you're saving money in a 401k for future health expenses, you're going to have to pay tax on that money to pay that yeah. bill, right? And so uh, what we recommend is you know, get your free money. So if there's an employer match of any type that requires maybe a, a, an amount that you have to put into your 401k, free money is always good, right? So get the free money, but then move. So if you get your, your match on your 401k, then you should move to maximize your HSA first. Yeah. And then go back to funding your 401k. Most people will do like a minimum amount into the HSA and not realizing that if they're saving on that 401k side, they're not they're not getting the most for their money. Yeah, yeah, no, I can I completely agree with that. You know, get the free money 401k. It, you can't get any better return than free money. And then, you know, like you said, switch over to HSA max debt. This is going to have a limit to how much you can put right. in, and then go back to the 401k if you have capacity. Um, in terms of suppose that you now have capacity, you've maxed out the HSA, you're back to the 401k. Yep. And suppose that you're an employer that allows you a choice between traditional and Roth 401k, you know, probably the interactions between, you know, that the 401k vehicle type and the HSA contribution. So beyond the levels of contributions, the pecking order, yep. in terms of the actual way you should do pre-tax about post-tax and the 401k, it seems that that particular interaction level is not going to be as big here as just making sure that you know you have the ordering yeah. right. Uh, exactly. I mean, and, and the good news is the HSA contribution 
does not affect your limit on your 401k in any right. way, right? So, yeah. so that decision of a Roth versus a, uh, you know, uh, uh, a, ta a tax advantage, you know, to getting the tax break now or getting the tax break later, there's yeah. good, you know, that's really everyone's uh, decision as far as what's better for them. And sometimes you run out of limit on one and can only do the other, right? But, but, uh, but the HSA is completely independent and um, you can put up to in this coming right now, the, an individual can contribute 3,600 per year into their HSA if they're the only one on that health plan. If they're in a family plan, they can put 7,200. And then there's an additional 1,000 catch up for both you and your spouse if you're over age 55. And then next year, that, that amount goes up 100 on the family and up 50 on the um, uh, on the individual side. So, you know, you can't put in everything. I mean, if you're like me, a married couple over 55, we can put in $9,200. So it's not nothing, yeah. but it's not like I can put in a half a million dollars into this, into this sure. plan, right? Yeah. Uh, um, so, but if you contribute that every year and you start growing it and you put it into mutual funds and let it grow beyond the interest in a bank account, which obviously right now is not the greatest, uh, it can be substantial. Um, and it compounds you. And then the other thing is you have full freedom, right? So you decide when you spend that money, I can spend it right now as I get medical bills. And some people have to do that because that's their source of, of, uh, of money for current expenses. Many people will save that and they'll pay their medical expenses out of pocket and yeah. let that money grow. And then they, basically anytime you pay a medical bill out of pocket when you're on an HSA plan, you now have uh, basically secured the right for a tax-free withdrawal from that HSA for the rest of your life. Yeah, and let's talk about that. Now we'll conclude on that point because I think it's a really important one. Is that I know people with HSAs and they're you know they say, well, it's kind of a pain because you know you have to get all the paperwork, and now it's become much more simple where mm -hmm. now you can have a card and so forth. So more like a regular insurance. Part. But in the old days, when it's first started, you know, it, it's like you had to trace a little bit more paperwork against their deductible and things like that. It's gotten a lot more simpler yep. now. But, you know, my advice to them usually is, you know, why are you even taking money out of the HSA for this thing? Even if, even if it qualifies now, might as well just pay out of the pocket um, it completely for this expense, not even taken out of your HSA, just let that thing grow tax-free. You're going to need that money later on. It's not like there's going to be too many people out there who have so much money in their HSA. They're, when they yeah. hit retirement, they're going to be like, wow, I just got, I overfunded this thing. <laughs> I got so yeah. much money. That's just not going to happen. And so exactly. um, there's, there's definitely advantages there. And then you only have to worry about almost any paperwork in some cases too, it seems like the providers, if they know you're paying cash, it's a different rate in <laughs> some right. cases as well. And so it seems like, um, you know, these HSAs really should be viewed more really for longer term um, things than, you know, even expenses today. Yeah, no, I agree. If you can, if you, if you can afford it, right. Some, you yeah. know, the lower income people, they, they have to use that money. I personally yeah. use my HSA to pay my medical bills, but I max it out every year and I grow my, balances, but it's up to you. That's the point is it's your money. Yeah. You take that money with you. If you leave your employer, uh, I agree with you. Very few people are going to have enough in their HSA because of the limits you put on it 
to cover all their out-of-pocket expenses. And by the way, uh, they can be used to pay Medicare premiums after age yes. 65, right? That's right. Uh, That's everything right. but Medigap. Uh, Medigap is not qualified. But um, but in the case that you but did it, overfund it's, all fun, it's almost all fungible. Like you free up yeah. money for your Medigap <laughs> policy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but if you did have too much money in your HSA, you can take it out and pay the tax just like your 401k. That's so right. So it's better in every single way. There's no required minimum distributions. It's your money. You can you can give it to your spouse as an HSA when you die, uh, yeah. or it becomes part of your estate if you want to give it to your kids or someone else. So yeah, it's, it's like you so can't many. do worse, like than even just a regular you know Roth, uh, you know, or I'm sorry, a regular traditional where you put in pre-tax. And like you yeah. said, you the worst that could happen if you use it for non-qualified medical, it's going to be more like a traditional um, plan. And one, one last point, I want to sneak it in here. I, I actually think some of the marketing in the HSA, people still are confused with FSAs. Yes. So explain quickly the difference there. Uh, right. And then I think that will conclude with yeah, that. Yeah, so the HSA, you have to have the high deductible HSA qualified plan. Yeah. And FSA is a similar vehicle, but it can be used with any healthcare plan. Right. And uh, the the limits of how much you can contribute are lower. And then you have this use it or lose it rule where you That's have right. to spend the money. Uh, there's some complicated rollover features and so forth. I mean, it's good. It, it helps you to spend some tax free money, but it's much more complicated. That money reverts back to your employer if you leave. So the HSA is really better in every way. Yeah. And frankly, the high deductibles on HSA plans used to be sky sky high compared to other options. Now everything's in a high deductible plan, you know, over the last, you know, 10 yeah. years or so deductibles have risen even on the traditional plans. That's true. But the main point is that premium savings is 100%. Everyone's going to yeah. pay the premium. And if you can reduce that premium and put that money into an HSA, you'll be much better off in the vast majority of cases. Yeah. A lot of people I talk to on the HSA, they still think it's a lose, use it or lose it. And it's like, no, no, yeah. this is your money. It's exactly. not, it's not, I mean, um, FSA, you know, if you know you're going to be with your employer and you know that you have those races for the kids coming up, you know, yep. maybe that's useful for that. Um, very predictable stuff, but that, that's a very different animal. Todd, fantastic job. Very informative. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Appreciate, the, can, appreciate the time. Yep. Yeah. And you can find out more about Todd and as well as uh, their work at Benefit Wallet by simply going to their website called My benefitwallet.com. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 